Welcome back to Becky Well Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth with you. And joining us now is Matthew Friedman of FantasyLife.com. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Let's start with the game of the week here, the 49ers and the Eagles. This number has been moving around. It's also inconsistent from one book to the next. But right now at BetMGM, the 49ers are three-point favorites on the road with a total of 46.5. For when should we pounce, and what side should we look at? I think this is Eagles, and I say that with a little bit of reservation, like knowing that the 49ers are the best team in the league. I have them power rated one, uh, 1.25 points higher than the Eagles. They should be favored. Quarterback Brock Purdy, I think he should probably be the MVP, if not the like the MVP front runner, the guy who garners more conversation at the end of the season than what he's gotten so far. He's number one in a number of metrics that are highly correlated to who wins MVP. Number one in composite EPA and completion percentage over expectation. Number one in adjusted yards per attempt. Number one in ESPN's QBR. Like if his name were Aaron Rodgers, like create an alternate universe where Aaron Rodgers, instead of being traded to the Jets, is traded to the 49ers this offseason. And he does exactly what Brock Purdy has done he would easily be the MVP frontrunner. So right now, even if you don't think Brock Purdy is worthy of MVP, the 49ers have an MVP caliber quarterback playing within their offense. So the 49ers should be favored, all right? All of that said, three is too much. It is too much for the Eagles at home who are 17-6-1, against the spread with Jalen Hurts at home and outside of division because home field advantage in division is a little bit different than home field advantage outside of division. Home field advantage in division is basically cut by half. So greater home field advantage at home outside of division. Hurts is 12 and three against the spread in that situation. So this is a really good spot to get a team that we know is a good team at home going against a team outside of division. And the 49ers, they do have three days extra rest, but they are traveling across country. And this is their third road game in the past four games. So even though they have the extra rest, there's still a discount because of the travel and because of the road weariness. So Eagles at plus three, I think is just a little too rich. I have this projected at plus two. So I think there's value in getting the key number of three. And if this dropped down to two and a half, I think there's value in teasing. So very much like this spot right here for the Eagles. Yeah, there are. If you shop around right now at this point before the market decides to settle on this, uh, you can't find some two and a halfs out there. Interesting what you said about Purdy. Uh, the resume that is needed for an MVP, like Purdy does, check off a lot of those boxes. Uh, we were talking about it yesterday when we were going over the MVP. And um, yeah, Purdy's n- numbers come down a little bit. But the one name that just, it's been going on for a month now. And he had an opportunity to flash, and he did flash against a very weak opponent on Thanksgiving. That's Dak Prescott. And it's, to see his number at some point, some places, six. Like every week it's been cut in half, cut in half, cut in half, cut in half. Not a division leader. So at the moment, can't get one of those top couple of seeds in the conference. What do you think about uh, Dak's resume? Because a lot, of, a lot of metrics, he is there with Purdy. So I think, you know, they're kind of part of the same uh, conversation. I think you're absolutely right. The numbers or the metrics that I listed earlier, adjusted yards per attempt, composite um, EPA and completion percentage over expectation, uh, ESPN's QBR, DAC is top four 
in those. So he checks the boxes in terms of having good enough individual production. But really, if you had to think about the way that MVP has been awarded for the past decade and really beyond that, it's kind of like, what is one of the top teams in the league? And, you know, historically it was, does this team get a buy in the playoffs? Okay. Out of the teams that have a buy on the, in the playoffs, who is the best? That's the guy who generally gets MVP. It's a little bit different now that you have only two buys awarded instead of four. But I think whoever wins MVP is going to have to be on a team that is one of the top two seeds. So that is the path for the Cowboys. They will need the Eagles to lose this week, and then they will need to beat the Eagles at the end of the season, and then maybe even get a little more luck after that. But if that happens, I think Dak wins the award because he does actually have the resume, the individual statistics to back it up. And in a, a season where scoring is down, no quarterback has really like taken hold of the league and actually seems to want to win the award. Dak is the one guy who has the efficiency metrics and the raw overall production to actually say, hey, if my team is good enough, I deserve to win MVP. Love it. The MVP conversation is fascinating this season. Well, Dak is in action against the Seahawks. This line at nine. Do you think this number is right, Matthew? You know, it's this is a fascinating number to me. If we look at where this line was posted before the season started, this number was three and a half, right? Like we have been on quite a journey since then. Even in the look ahead market last week, this number was hovering between six and a half and seven. It opened at seven and a half, got bet up to nine and a half. I think it even touched 10 at a couple of places and now has settled to nine. And I think what we are seeing here with this number is the fact that the Cowboys are a very strong front running team. Like if they are playing a team that is at their level, that is a very tight matchup where we would expect if the Cowboys win, they barely win. And if they lose, they could maybe lose by a decent amount, like we saw when they were playing the 49ers earlier this season. But when they are playing a team that is outclassed, the Cowboys are a statistical bully. They just pile it on. They do not take their foot off of the gas. And this is a situation where I think we see something like that unfold. So if this were a, a normal kind of quote unquote normal matchup of the Cowboys going against a team in their tier, I think this would be very tight, but going against a Seahawks team that I think has been overvalued based on what they did last year, what they did earlier this year, the Seahawks do not look like a good team. I would say like they're probably a league average team and the Cowboys at home primetime, seven days of rest, like they should be able to put away a team that is league average. And given the way that they pile on points, nine feels a little, just a touch too high, but like you could not pay me to bet on the Seahawks in this spot. And I think what we see here is a little bit of teaser protection where the true number is probably seven and a half or eight, or let's say eight, eight and a half. But if it were that number, everyone would be piling into teasers on the Cowboys and the books would probably have just a little too much liability. And so this number of nine, that makes sense. 
And it is that time of the year, right? Like in terms of thinking about teasers as numbers get sharper and sharper because we have better information, all of that stuff. Like those things kind of matter in terms of, uh, you know, allocating, you know, whatever intel you're supposed to have and all that good stuff. But specifically when we're talking about this game, you, you hit the nail on the head, I think, when it comes to the Cowboys can bully lesser opponents. Are you uh, of the belief then you should take C.D. Lamb all over receiving yards or Jake Ferguson? Or maybe there's somebody else uh, who's been brought into the fold a good bit more in this Cowboys offense. Yeah, I like that idea because if the Cowboys win, they probably don't win small. They probably pile it on. And they have been an over team this year, even with as great as their defense is. They have been an over team in part because, you know, like their defense can put them in great field position. Their defense can actually score points with what Deron Bland is doing every time. Like it seems like he touches the ball. And then, of course, their offense is much better than I would have anticipated it being given that is that it is directly under the um, the guiding eye of Mike McCarthy. Like I thought there was going to be a really big downgrade with Mike McCarthy as like the genius of this offense. And they've actually vastly outseated uh like outpace my expectations here. So yeah, I like mm-hmm. the idea of overs. Jake Ferguson, he leads the league in targets in the red zone. Like that is unbelievable. I would say Jake Ferguson as an anytime touchdown candidate, like that always feels very live just because of how much they pepper him when they get near the goal line. Uh, and of course, CD lamb, the run that he has been on since week five, like week five was just an absolute catastrophe for the Cowboys when they lost in very ignominious fashion to the 49ers. Since then, it has been a total turnaround for this entire offense. And CeeDee Lamb, like it feels like this guy is like a coin flip to go over 100 yards in every game that he is playing at this point. So yeah, thinking of alternate uh, alternate lines in the prop market for all of the Cowboys, same game parlays, putting all this together. Yeah, like that. Did we lose him? Yeah. Is I heard gone? a gunshot. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> I, I hope it wasn't. <laughs> oh, there we go. Otherwise, we've got to... back. Oh, there we are. All right. Matt's Sorry, back. Matthew. You, okay. you guys have you still hear us, Matt? Yeah, we got yes. you now. Yeah. yeah. We got yeah. You now. Okay, good. Thank goodness. All right. He's alive. <laughs> All right, good. Good. Um, I, I wanted to ask about Lions Saints because I find I find this one really interesting uh, from a fantasy perspective, like Saints wise. We'll, we'll get more intel later today with these injury reports, but they might be without receiver one, receiver two, receiver three. And, you know, where where do we go with that? The number's out to four. The Lions are a, a four point favorite. And I saw on your show yesterday that you were talking about Ben Johnson, like, I'm here in Chicago city where I, I expect the head coach to be fired, to join the list. We'll see if it actually happens, but Ben Johnson's been that guy that, that people keep talking about. And it, it feels like we're in a defensive league right now with the way unders have been hitting this season. So um, both sides of that game on the Saints side, how are they going to move the ball if they're missing all of the receivers? Is it just going to be Camara going crazy or what? And then on the Lions side, um, are, are you still as strong on Ben Johnson as everyone was early in the year? Yeah, I still like Ben Johnson. Um, you know, there are ebbs and flows to every season. I feel like what we've seen out of Jared Goff under Ben Johnson for the you know duration last season to this season I feel like that's a pretty good sample and I would expect that, you know, there've been some 
some hiccups on offense for the Lions, but they will get it sorted out. They have a lot of playmakers there on that side of the ball, and they're getting healthy. You cannot say anything health-wise that is positive for the Saints. I mean, you just listed it there. Wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I think all of those guys are going to be out this week. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they're without their number one cornerback in Marshawn Lattimore, without their top edge rusher potentially in Cameron Jordan, who uh, was dealing with a shin injury last week, uncertain for this week, need to you know monitor the injury report. But they could be without their top defensive players and their three starting wide receivers. Yeah, like how do they move the ball? in in this game i mean yeah it feels like uh just an overdose of alvin Kamara and uh taysom hill which like taysom hill like kind of an interesting player you know whatever especially like in fantasy because there's like is he a quarterback is he a tight end you know like what is his designation but in in reality if your offense is being funneled through taysom hill you have very clear problems you know, like that is not the way that a modern offense wants to be constructed. So I think, you know, the Lions as four point favorites on the road, that feels to, in terms of just like gut that feels like it is too much. But when I'm doing my projections and I'm taking all of these injuries into account, I honestly don't know if it's far enough. Like I have this projected at four and a half. So like I'm close to in line with the market, but I don't think that this number is unreasonable the way that I would have thought a week ago. I'm curious your thoughts, kind of like Joe's question. I'm here in Washington where, you know, everyone kind of expects Ron Rivera to be gone and oddly enough, they don't want Biennemi as the next head coach, but Biennemi seems to be getting a lot out of Sam Howell right now. I mean, he's the NFL passing leader as we speak. Um, they are playing Miami this week in that spread at nine and a half, but I'm just kind of curious overall big picture because I think folks would love Ben Johnston here as well. <laughs> yeah, the, the Biennemi thing is really interesting. And I think there are a couple of ways to think about it. One is the job that he's done in Washington, which I think has been, if not exemplary, still like much better than I would have anticipated. Like Sam Howell, as you mentioned, leading the league in passing. Like that was definitely not anywhere in the range of outcomes in my projections, like thinking about how this season would unfold. And yeah, like if you have a team that is going to be playing from behind, you have to be aggressive on offense and they are at least doing that. They are throwing the ball much more than uh, a lot of teams in the league. Like they are at least like trying to put their team in a position to win. And a lot of that is driven by the offense. So I think the deserves credit for that. And at the same time, you look at like what has happened in Kansas city since the left. And like, I'm not saying like, Oh, Hey, you know what? Biennemi was the mastermind of that Kansas city offense because like he wasn't, that is obviously you have Andy Reed, you have Patrick Mahomes. It feels like almost nothing else matters, but like given that a lot of the same things are in place, like what is missing? Well, Biennemi, like Biennemi was, I think an underappreciated part of what they had going on in Kansas city previously. So Without him, I, I don't know. I, I think the enemy should be a head coach next year. Matthew Friedman, make sure to follow him on X at Matt F. The Oracle. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is Becky Bell Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, more of our bets and takes for college football's championship weekend right here on the Becky Bell Network.
We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And now it's time to get back to a little college football, but I guess we're sort of towing the line here between college and the NFL because it is time to discuss our first mock draft uh, by Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Uh, he's got the Bears drafting Caleb Williams, number one overall, uh, followed by Maserati Marv, and then Drake May going number three overall to the Patriots. Uh, Joe Alt, though, uh, that second pick by the Bears, the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. Uh, Joe, what are your first impressions when looking at this mock? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It, it seems like... With the way Kyler has played upon his return, and this is supposed to be the worst of Kyler, he does seem engaged. He's done pretty well, and he needs help. Nothing we've seen would suggest that they're out on Kyler, that they're going to figure a way to get out of this contract, even though at the moment it looks like they have number two pick. They could end up with the number one overall pick, and maybe you know internally they have Caleb just far and away. He's a can't-miss prospect, and we would get a quarterback on rookie deal, the whole deal, where they would say, let's change course. But they have an opportunity to build around him. So that that would make a ton of sense to me. They're either going to continue with offensive line or you get – it could be a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Now you pair him, like you've got to feel good about that organization. Like they they've been more competitive than most of us thought they would. But man, if they get Maserati Marv, that would be, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, the <laughs> Patriots, yeah, they're getting a quarterback. They've moved on. They don't care about Mac Jones. They'll trot him out there if they feel like it. If they want to lose a game, I guess. Um, I th- I think that's fascinating how the Patriots are going to get their next quarterback and who's going to be making that decision. Whether it's Drake May or not, whether in a position to get Drake May, they're taking a quarterback. They have to. They have no options. They're like kind of messing around. Okay, we'll cut Greer. We'll get rid of Cunningham in the preseason. Then we'll bring him back and then you know, the playing the games with Mac Jones and benching him every week, and then he's back as at the starter. They don't care about any of these dudes. The quarterback of the future is the one that they draft in April, so can't wait to see what they end up doing there. Um, and then we start getting into the tackles after the top three, but, I mean, really, that's where everybody's going to be focused. It's going to be – it's it's probably going to be this three in some order in the top three, right? I know we're so far out and we've got a long way to go in the process, but isn't the top three going to be some order of Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Marvin Harrison? I don't think so. I really don't. No. I think somebody's going to trade up. Somebody might trade up to get like a Jaden Daniels or someone like that. Maybe Joel, the the offensive tackle. Like as much as I love Maserati Mark, like I think he's a phenomenal talent. I do think think though, given – I think he will only fall because of the teams who would want him. I do think there are a couple of quarterback-hungry teams who will probably trade up and maybe, you know, go crazy in terms of trying to get into those top three so they can take one of the available quarterbacks. And that, you know, bear in mind that Dane Brugler really didn't factor in trades in this mock. And I get the exercise and the approach doing it that way. But I also think that it's not realistic 
at some point, some team is going to want one of these great quarterbacks and they're going to Mm -hmm. overpay for them. And I think that is an important tactic once we get closer to the draft that we have to factor in. For sure. Yeah, with such a quarterback-rich draft, maybe someone, there will be a bit of a shakeup. But yeah, I think the Patriots thing is interesting. They obviously need a quarterback. And is, you know, Bill Belichick campaigning to be like, hey, you know, just let me draft a quarterback and see what I can do. Give me another chance. Or is he <laughs> out? I thought, I, I guess I'm not I surprised, but... You know, it does say here that uh, he's never drafted in the top five, Bill Belichick, in his 24 years in New England. Seems like that's yeah. crazy to me. But yeah, you, we all Tom know that's sort of the Patriot way. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, wow. Um, you went so that show was really good. Yeah, Cam Newton. Oh like, I mean, that's he was special in a Patriots uniform. God. I'm curious because we were talking about that Courtney Cronin ESPN piece about Caleb Williams. Like he's going to be a top 10 quarterback, you know, as soon as he hits the field in the NFL. Yeah. So do you want Caleb Williams as, you know, someone who's covered this Bears team for a very long time? Like, where are you at? Are you in the middle? I know I kind of asked you that yesterday, but if seeing this mock, they've got Caleb Williams going to the Bears. I'm not. And I am very far, any regular listener knows that I'm far from a Justin Fields guy. Let's see where they are. I'm not convinced they're going to be the one first off from with the Carolina pick. Like it could easily be New England. It could easily be Arizona. And I, I'm not saying that they have to take a quarterback. Like we talked a little bit about this yesterday. I, you can, if you build around him, like building the trenches or building other key positions and then getting your quarterback. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. You're actually putting that quarterback in a position to succeed. They got to get a lot figured out. I am. This won't be popular. I am starting to think like they might keep the head coach for one more go around, not to be the guy for the future, just for one more go around. Cause Paul's hired his friend in Eberflus. I wonder if that's going to happen or if Kevin Warren's going to step in and do something there. But I'm not, I'll I'll just say this. I'm not as sold on Caleb Williams as that report has, or some of those quotes are out there, or the the people that were saying that early in the year. The more and more I see of Caleb, I'm not as sold as those people. So are you implying the Bears could draft Marvin Harrison Jr. then? Is that what you're saying? Give Justin Fields another piece. Or or protect him again. They drafted a, a right tackle last year. The Braxton Jones injury hurt them. Like maybe... He needs more pieces. Like you get Marvin Harrison Jr. pairing him with DJ Moore, like whoever quarterback is, you're in a really good position to succeed. And their tackles are not bad. Their offensive tackles went healthy on that line. Mm-hmm. But um and you know, remember a year just a year ago, that team was trading away every piece they had on defense. And now the defense looks pretty good. And they've got Montez Sweat. Like it yeah. defense isn't bad. Like there are a few few pieces away. It's not horrible, but um I don't know. What do you think, Ed? It's well, that defense is young, first off. Like, and so you yeah. have to have, you know, adjusted expectations as far as what to get out of them. And, you know, Jalen Johnson's wonderful, like, you know, had a great game Monday night. So all that's fine. Yeah. If the Bears have the number one pick and they don't take a quarterback, I am going to lose my mind. I am not a Bears fan. I don't have connections to the Bears, but to see a franchise 
uh, commit that kind of anarchy would be insane to me. You have to trade down if you have the number one pick and you are comfortable right. with Fields. Right. I am not opposed to that. Like, I mean, I'm probably not the biggest Justin Fields fan either, but can you win with him in that division? Probably. Do you have a higher ceiling if you get Caleb Williams or Drake May? I, I'm willing to believe the answer is yes. Maybe I'm sort of split and I'm playing the balancing act between, okay, those who absolutely love Caleb Williams, that he's going to be a Hall of Famer, those who absolutely can't stand Justin Fields. I'm probably in the middle of that where Fields mm-hmm. probably can perform better than what we've seen so far. Yet at the yes. same time, I wonder how much of this should simply be based upon draft stock. And maybe you do have to hit the reset button, and that's maybe only the, the only thing that matters when it comes to how to attack next season. How much draft capital do you have? What can you spend? What must you spend? So in that aspect, I'm willing to refrain from saying what they should be doing. Let's see what the final standings are. But I do know this much. If you have number one overall, you don't trade down. You have to take a quarterback. There is no other way to do this. And I think they will. I think that's that's exactly what's going to happen. Like, look, how many opportunities are you going to get? There's a lot of luck involved here. Like, you can be poor again, but guess what? You don't have that Carolina pick again at number one overall. <laughs> or the, It's going to be probably a, a top one or two pick. You know, this is related to betting now and the rest of the season. There's been a lot out there about teams tanking. It is mentioned yep. constantly. I mention it at times. I got to tell you, if you look at the current draft order right now, let's go down the list. Carolina, are they tanking? No, they just fired a coach. They're trying to win games. The owner is putting a lot of heat on people. Arizona, are they tanking? Clearly not. People were wrong before the season to assume that they were. They're trying to win games. I think they, they've created a positive culture. New England, are they tanking? We can revisit that. Chicago, I can tell you, <laughs> damn sure. Iberflus is trying to save his job. He's not tanking. Right. Those players are not tanking. We saw that on Monday night. Washington, Rivera's trying to save his job. They're not tanking. How's the passing leader? The Giants, they just won back-to-back games. They are not tanking. Todd Bowles, Tampa Bay's still in the conversation to win that division. They have the seventh pick right now. The Jets, they're not tanking. They went all in. Like, I just went down the whole list. Like, maybe we can make a case for New England tanking. But, guys, I, you know, I, people thought that it was going to be a problem. I don't think it is right now for bet, betting week to week. Not at this point going into week number 13. I can't tell you that any team is tanking right now. Yeah, you could even make the argument Bill Belichick's coaching for his job unless he has some right. behind closed doors uh, deal with Kraft that they are tanking. I mean – he, the narrative is that he's out. So, I mean, that's even that one you could probably cross off the list, right? And then Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. made a ridiculous comment that if the Jets are in contention, you know, that he'll come back this season. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if they're Dude. tanking either. The Chargers there have the ninth two- pick right yeah. now. The mm-hmm. Chargers have the ninth pick. You think that's Staley's wild. tanking? <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, when it comes to the concept of tanking, I couldn't agree more, Joe. Absolutely. Like, these teams aren't tanking. It always seemed to me, like, in terms of the timing of tanking, that's like a week 17, week 18 conversation. That's not something you should be talking about in November. 
maybe down the road when you're sort of piecemealing, okay, what are the possible scenarios? Where are we looking, et cetera, et cetera. Then maybe you can open up that conversation. But in the here and now leading up to week 13, no, nobody's tanking. There are too many individual interests, player incentives, coaches fighting for their jobs, all of those things. Like, Guys want to have starting jobs next season, whether it's with the team they're with or with some other team next year. There are too many individual motives why tanking would be a bad idea several games before the end of the regular season. That's more of a week 17, week 18, like, look, we all know where we stand in our lives. Let's just get through this last contest healthy to where we don't mess ourselves up going forward. But in the here and the now, no, we should not be talking about tanking at all. Yeah. And um, so we, we got Brugler's mock, and we were just talking with Matthew Friedman, who's who dives into the NFL draft and betting the NFL draft more than anybody out there. And mm-hmm. we didn't ask him about it because he hasn't done anything because we were talking to him off air for people that were wondering. So I find that interesting. A guy that really takes a deep dive into the market, he hasn't done anything yet. So... And the market also hasn't changed a whole lot, unless you're looking at a mm-hmm. super long shot. It's it was Caleb Williams for a long time as a minus one minus five hundred favorite, and you know what? We, we made a big deal after the game against Notre Dame, UC and USC, and he looked terrible on the road in primetime spot, and everybody saw it. The numbers dropped a little bit. Right now, Caleb Williams is minus four fifty. What's changed? The college football season is just about done. And nothing's really changed. It was minus 500 before the year started. It's minus 450 right now for first overall pick. So uh, th- that is something that will start to change as the rumor mill gets circulating and we get through the par- process with the combine and the pro days and all that stuff. Exactly. Combine, I'm pro day, those are the, the things chaos. that tend to be valued a good bit more. Yeah, that, that stuff is exactly. valued way more. What the intel that is actually acquired by the teams themselves. That's a big Mm -hmm. deal. I want to ask you guys real quickly about the Cincinnati Bengals because they may have a high draft pick. And what's fascinating to me, and this was Mm -hmm. part of the article uh, by Dane Brugler, is that there are a lot of offensive tackles that are projected to go in the first round. And offensive line always seems to be a need when it comes to the Bengals. Is it something where you just have to kind of eat the season if you're the Bengals, knowing full well, yeah, you're going to pay Joe Burrow, but you're going to have a lot of good young talent coming in to where this is just a blip on the radar. They will be just fine going forward. They're going to have a top 10 pick, right? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. Abs- yeah, because right now Absolutely Vegas is are. 11. They, they're five and seven, and Cincinnati's five and six. So mm-hmm. they're, they're going to have a top 10 pick. So we're still doing this where they're, they're searching for offensive linemen. Like how many years in a row are we going to do this? Where, <laughs> okay, the Bengals are an offensive line away. They're an offensive line away. Are they ever going to be able to get that right? Um, well, is T. Higgins going to be on this team? Because you might be looking for a replacement for T. Higgins. Because that's the you big advantage the they have. That's the advantage they have over everyone else. They ha- they have the great quarterback, and they have two awesome weapons on the outside. If you lose one of those weapons, they might be addressing that. Is it all the offensive line, or is Joe Burrow injury prone too? And he holds on to the ball. Right. It, it's, he just hangs on to the ball too long. He's sack prone. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight right here on the BetQL Network.
We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We'll get to our lightning bets in just a bit, but first, the NBA in-season tournament has its field for the knockout stage. The Celtics do get in. The Warriors are left out. As far as the actual eight teams, we have the Bucks, Pacers, Celtics, Lakers, Kings, Pelicans, Knicks, and Suns as the eight in the knockout stage. And clearly, Joe, there were no controversies, and everyone is very, very happy with how this field was selected. I love the in-season tournament. I love it, man. <laughs> I no, I mean, honestly, I, I think a lot of people ignore the NBA November, December, and they start to kind of get back into it as the NFL season is winding down, but people are into it. I, I just, mm-hmm. I've been very, maybe it's more luck than anything, but I've done very well with just picking spots like, okay, this team is really motivated. It's kind of worked. It, it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like it from that perspective but yeah there's a little bit of controversy last night at the end of the bulls and celtics game at one point during the game billy donovan walks over to missoula and is like dude what the hell's going on here and missoula's like hey i don't want to do this but they're doing the hack-a-shack thing with andre drummond uh during the game why because they needed to win by a specific number of points as you know you know the way the tiebreakers were set up i don't think the nba considered this so there was some animosity uh, going on last night between the Bulls and the Celtics, even though that game was over. You were on the Celtics. Good call by you. I mean, in the first quarter, I'm like, yeah, we know how NBA goes with runs, but this one, th- that was over. Like, it was a big number to begin with. It was like 14 or whatever. And like, yeah, they're covering this. There's, there's no doubt about it. it. That's exactly how it went. But I wonder if they revisit that part of the in-season tournament about uh, some of these tiebreakers and all that, about, you know, point differential. I was actually thinking about it this morning. You bring up a good point about paying more attention to the in-season tournament as opposed to not having it, and then you kind of tune in maybe after the Super Bowl type of thing. But uh, I want to know what the ratings are. Has anyone seen I think they've been that? good. I was thinking about that. I'd, so, I'd like so to see tell, the numbers. Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. I don't have them on hand, but it, I do know that not only like have the ratings, I think, been pretty positive, but also, too, I think uh, ESPN and Turner, they're starting to come together as far as like swapping talent. So, like, yeah, we might be watching like mm. an ESPN telecast, but we might have Charles Barkley mm. and Kenny Smith involved in the coverage. And so it does feel like the league is willing to, you know, break some barriers or boundaries, so to speak, just as far as uh, mm-hmm. making this as exciting and captivating as possible. And I think that's a great move, personally. So uh, ESPN said that for the eight group play round games on Friday nights in the month of November, they had 1.5 million, and that is 20% mm. up from last November. That's a massive wow. jump. 20 percent working 
Yeah, it's absolutely like people can laugh at it and the, and the different colored floors and all that. But you know what? You're talking about the NBA during NFL and college football season. Adam mm-hmm. Silver's done a phenomenal job, I think, with the NBA. Yeah. I mean, not just that, but like, not only is he the say the best commissioner or the the most favorite commissioner in professional sports right now, but like over the yeah. last umpteen years, has a commissioner been more beloved than Adam Silver? Mm-hmm. Yeah, True. not for the players. It's hard to come up with mm-hmm. one. Uh. Fans are kind of are always take it or leave it, but like unanimously, everyone hates Manfred. The players, right. the fans, the broadcasters, <laughs> everybody hates Manfred. <laughs> um, NFL, Goodell's an easy target, and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, right. Uh, Bettman's always going to be booed, and he should be booed. Mm-hmm. I understand why. You're right, but it's like it's also look at the look at the race that you're in. It's like you better yeah, be right. <laughs> it's like the fastest turtle. Like that's that's the race yeah. that we're talking about here. Uh-huh. All right, lightning bets time, and uh, I've got college football for you. Uh, no bets as far as games for tonight, but I do have some college football bets for you as far as other conference championship games that we have not gotten to. Let's start in Conference USA, shall we? Give me Liberty or give me Death. What's made New Mexico State special is the ground game, ranking 15th in EPA per rush. But I do wonder in these mid-majors how much of that matters in terms of having a mobile quarterback and all of those things. Like, strength of schedule may be why your rushing numbers are so good that you can pulverize opponents. It's not necessarily because you are just that much more skilled at running the football. And so I get New Mexico State upset Auburn, but I don't know how much Auburn cared about that game. Meanwhile, there's a lot to love about Liberty. They're second nationally in EPA. EPA per pass, so I think Liberty also at home, they should cover here. Next up, Big 12 Championship. College football data has these post-game win expectancies as far as how often a team with the yards and field position, how often they you know, should win versus go on to win. And the luckiest team in America is the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And they are about to get boat raced by Texas. Mm. So I am laying the points here with the Longhorns. This will not be particularly exciting. And then finally, do I have to talk about this? Of course I have to talk about this. SMU is going to cover against Tulane in the American Championship. Keep in mind the weather forecast. There's a 90% chance of rain here. So the passing attacks for both teams will be nullified So the fact that SMU is going to a backup quarterback, I don't think matters as much. SMU can run the football. They can play great defense. This should be a defensive contest. So I think five and a half is just too many points. The market is overreacting to the quarterback news with SMU with Preston Stone being out. So I think SMU will cover the number, Joe. All right. I'm going to start with my five-star mega whale play of the week. Did Brad say to ride the green wave? Did he say ride the green wave? What, what, what do they say over there? Yeah. Whatever roll they wave. say, roll, roll, I'll be some, roll wave. Roll, roll tide. <laughs> what was the guy that got roll in wave? For... Roll wave, roll. That's what no, they no. Say. What was the former Bama coach that got in trouble for? And what was he saying to the? Oh, he said roll tide. <laughs> what was his name? It's like oh, roll tide, maybe. <laughs> oh, that was so oh, long I don't ago. remember. <laughs> when Mike we'll, Price we'll was it? it. <laughs> I think it was. It may have been. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, there's some, yeah, you got in trouble with uh, some not so great activities off the field. Uh, yeah, we were talking about the... SEC earlier, and Bobby. Yeah, Petrie. yeah, that would be Mike Price. Yeah. yeah, he was the one. Yeah. <laughs> so why not? It's contagious. It's another, it's another one. No, I'm just messing with you. I'm not. I'm not on uh, two lane three no and a half. But plays? the market. Uh, <laughs> I want to. Oh wait! Give us a play. whale play. Whale play. Oh, whale play. All right, Niners. Before you Niners go on vacation. Two and a half. Niners <laughs> minus two and a half whale play. Yes. hundred um, uh, percent. Also Oregon minus nine and a half. And I like Georgia minus five and a half. Uh, I'm on favorites. I hate it, but uh, that's where I'm at as far as uh, college football. And, and the, the one play that really stands out in the NFL, a lot of movement this week in the NFL to make those plays on a, on a Wednesday. It's uh pretty wild we'll, we'll get some clarity when the injury reports start coming out today i'm i'm thinking lions too but let's see where we're at like just how many saints are going to be missing this game it's uh yeah the, the lions make a lot of sense the lions, lions all right stuff. i love it they don't win the this lions. game if they lose to the saints that have like half their starters oh my god <laughs> then it's really the lion stuff then, yes, yeah. right. vomit-inducing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the NBA. So I looked at my guy Sabonis, Jokic for double-doubles. Really no value there, even if you parlay them. Can't really give out a minus 227 bet on this show, but feel free <laughs> if you want to do that. Go ahead, because they do seem to get double-doubles all the time. Where I did find some value was Jonas Valanciunas, plus 180 for a double-double. They are playing the Sixers, who just demolished the Lakers. This spread at one, one and a half, should be a tightly contested game. Pelicans coming off a couple losses, so I expect them to be scrappy to get off this two-game losing skid. So hopefully, you know, Val will be uh, doing his best to get a double-double tonight at plus 180. Paul. Hello. Ah, no Paul. Hi. 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 I hear his Hi, voice. Paul. It's good enough. Little, You're doing the Jake bit. A little Jake Hi. since I'm in the studio. Jake's not here. Uh all right, little is. college hoops. Uh let's go Buffs. Buffs plus two and a half. That number's come down a little bit against Colorado State, little rivalry game. Colorado State, Ryan and I beat Creighton, blew him out, blah, blah, blah. Just a total dud by Creighton. That's fine. <laughs> Give me the buffs. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm higher on them than most this year, so I like them catching a couple points in a rivalry game. And then uh, I loved what Brad Spielberger said about the Texans against the Broncos because I was looking at that this morning. Yeah. Man, like Devin Singletary could have another big game. I mean, if you just bottom the defense, like, yeah, they've had some, they've been okay on third down. They've even been great on third down, but they've been bottom five and early down success rate over the past month. And just like he gave out the stat, Brad Coleman did with 25% of all drives against the Broncos ended in a turnover. They've got their fourth in turnover margin. They got the most takeaways in the NFL, still less than a yard. They're negative in yards per play over the last three games. Top five pressure rate allowed. Bottom five in pressure in opposing quarterbacks. CJ Stroud, let's have a day. So love that play. And then I'll be on the Eagles catching the three. I do I do want to see a little bit more of the injury report. And I know I guess it's public, but yeah. plus three. If you're going to give me three, although I will say, 
there's something to be said if you're you would not lay juice though you would not lay juice because that's where the threes are right now. right 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 so mm-hmm. I, i'm heading that way but we'll see where things go i will say there's something to be said eagles just go vanilla this week okay fine we get blown out Everyone thought yeah. we were a fraud anyway. We'll see you in the playoffs, and we are going to wreck the game like we did against your fraud quarterback on fraud O-line like we did last year. Like, there's something to be said for that approach, too, in a soft NFC. I just wouldn't give too much away. Like, you're not going to – but, like, you're coming off two I would. I would take games. that approach. It's not terrible. I like that. Just, just roll like, out, this is San roll Francisco's out the ball Super Bowl. Yes. They, roll out the ball All offseason. Oh, if we would have had our quarterback, this is, like, their, yeah, their game. whining. The whole time. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, spoken like a true Philadelphian. For those listening, next up is Jim Rome. For those watching on Twitch and YouTube, stay tuned for the Daily Tip. Take care, everybody.